two, one. Comrades, <laughs> episode 30 of the Quamfi Show. Welcome to the Quamfi Retirement Club. Today, featuring Hungarian, Horntail, and obviously Tim. This is going to be a crazy episode. We have been talking an hour before starting this because we are all so excited. We had so much energy that we needed to expand. And Hungarian made a plan, and it's going to be epic. We're going to go from the basics of the quant tokenomics, and we're going to take you all the way out to the farthest reaches of the speculation that we can find and um, and see what is going on with everything around the utility, around uh, the developments of quant right now, and uh, what we can expect in the near future and the far future, probably. Um, Hungarian, delighted to have you on the show, finally, again. Um, how have you been, man? Yarno, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, dude. Excited to be a part of this space, excited to be a part of this community, and can't wait to see what the future holds. Yeah, man. Again, amazing to have you here. Tim, yeah. how's life? Uh, I'm good. Just my coughing my lungs out uh, at the moment. <laughs> been doing that the past hour. Uh, really annoyed uh, you two. But it's actually happening right now, so I will be coughing a lot this episode, but for the rest of all, I'm all good. It's uh, a week has passed, and uh, I was well looking forward to this episode, and uh, now it's, the time is finally here, so really excited to see where we will be going. And uh, well, looking at history, looking at the last time we were uh, recording with Hungarian Hornhill, we actually made one of our best videos so far, so uh, it's going to be a good one. How are you, Jarno? How's life over there? When we just spoke in Dutch before uh, our guest uh, joined, uh, you you told me it was a battlefield over there. So uh, yeah, man. Damien is teething, so he has been not been sleeping very well, which is pretty annoying. And it's just a madhouse here, man. We're a little bit too big of a family, in my opinion, for this. Uh, well, it's still a big apartment, but small apartment. It feels small. We're all high energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, no, man, doing good. I really uh, lived up to this, and uh, I'm feeling this. Uh, this episode is going to be amazing. Um, price. We always start with a little bit of price. Ninety-five euros right now. Let's uh, do the really quick screen share because today is Thursday. We did not get an update today. Maybe it will come. Probably not anymore. It's uh, half past nine in. Europe right now. Price action today. Price action in seven days. Price action in 14 days. We are essentially going sideways. Same as the last week's. Um, again, also no update. It's a little bit um, quiet. It's probably also still vacation time. In Dutch, we call it cucumber time. Nothing to talk about except cucumbers. Say so some uh, might say the calm before the storm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, man. So we're we're happy to have uh, such an uh, inspiring guest, and um, he actually made a plan. Twelve pages, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Twelve pages <clears throat> of preparation, and um, see yeah, when you use pictures, you can get pages done real quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I made my thesis. <laughs> yeah, man. No, but Hungarian, man. Um, you want to take it away? 
Yeah, I guess let's just go ahead and dive into it and just kind of see where the conversation goes from there. Yeah, man. As, uh, as Yarno said, today the discussion is going to be focused on talking about the QNT utility token, how that relates to the growth of Overledger and Quant's products and services, and then further, uh, further diving into some speculations on what some of those products and services are. Uh, we've got some information that probably going to be new to a lot of you unless you've been really actively following every bit of uh, research going on. Uh, some insight around the growth of some early partnerships like SIA and where that's at now. And then we're also going to finish up with where we think, again, from a speculative standpoint, where we think um, the next things are going to come from. Where are some of the next big partners, the next big projects, uh, QRC use cases, and some other things we're going to be speculating on. In, in that mix, we're also going to have a little bit of on-chain data and some historical references to back all of this up. So while there is going to be a lot of speculation here, we're putting a lot of energy in to make sure that we keep it as grounded as possible and then give you guys the, the steps that we're following to arrive at these conclusions. So it's not just some completely unfounded speculative guess or, oh, I saw the word interoperability, it must be QNT. No, oh. it's, it's the you know, multiple degrees of different ways to look at these connections and I'm excited to see what you guys think. Yeah, but, man. Uh, we'll, we'll kick off with QNT utility a topic of, well, up until about a month ago contention. But when we look at the quant utility token, the way that the quant team and Gilbert has talked about the token, the way that the token has been designed to interact with all of this has been constant. The use cases have evolved in scope, mm. but the fundamental underlying mm. usages of the QNT utility token have not changed. It's been that way since the beginning. Gilbert's been talking about this for over four years now, and you can take your pick of any reference material from the white paper all the way up to the most recent comments from Gilbert. And we'll, we'll get there in a moment, but when we start to look at some on-chain data, and some other you know, interesting releases from partners, we can start to put the puzzle together. And, and that's gonna be something really excited and I'm looking forward to getting to. But starting off with just the, the QNT utility token, what is it used for? A better question is what is it not used for? <laughs> if you are interacting with quants, products and services, you need the QNT token. You need the QNT token to purchase a license. You need the QNT token to sign and validate transactions. You need the QNT token to prioritize your gateway's ability to process transactions. And while a lot of the current use cases mm -hmm. for the QNT token aren't retail facing, uh, one, that doesn't change the nature of the usage. And two, it actually has greater implications than retail. Because as exciting as it is to see those viral threads and those, uh, <laughs> you know, those hashtags and the different QNT or different influencers talking about a, a token, the reality is long-term growth and adoption of any crypto company and protocol is not going to come from this niche use, uh, user bubble of you know, a couple million people across the world in crypto right now. It's the 99% of people that aren't in this space. It's the 99% of the companies and the value and the products and the users and the services that aren't in this space yet. So as we move on, we start to talk about things like QRC721 and other types of legitimate interfaces for real companies to push their products out. 
it, it starts to get really exciting. So if you guys want to pause here, you can zoom in on this particular graphic. It's one of the best comprehensive little uh, graphics we have on the utility token. Uh, for but the viewers that, at home, have... sorry for interrupting. We're, we're looking at, at the infograph that has been created by the community. Um, Quant utility token overview. You can find this in the Quant lounge. Uh, and if you're from the Dutch group, you can also find it there, most likely. Um, this, is, this is a very familiar um, infograph with enterprise licenses in the top left. And then you got the rest um, spread out across the, the Q&T logo. Sorry, now, continue. No, absolutely. Yarno, if you're able to click the link right above this graphic, there's going to be a short video we can listen to of Gilbert actually talking about the QNT token. Uh, and this is an, one of the most recent video updates we have of the QNT token. I don't hear any sound, guys. Yeah, I'm not getting any audio on this one. Hold on. Let me. Uh... Oh, yeah, that's right. I logged out uh, for a bit. We had some issues in the beginning with the recording and with other stuff, logistic stuff. Welcome to the Quamfy Show. Uh, we'll be having uh, anyone hosting gateways to run uh, their own gateway on their own servers and their infrastructure. That means they will pay for licenses in QNT and all the transactions can be built uh, using QNT across the network. And so our, our job is to create this open uh, ecosystem where anyone can be a participant, where do... <laughs> is in the background bringing enterprise and institutional use cases to the network. We, we, we have lots and lots of meetings every week with uh, governments, with enterprise, with institutions, with, with clients who want to build new technology and new multi, uh, what we call MDAPs, so multi, uh, multi DLT distributed applications uh, on top of the network. So the QNT token is, is at the core of everything that we're doing. Uh, and what happens is if you own gateways and you run uh, this on the network, when you process transactions, you get paid in QNT. It's it's a great ecosystem that we're building and this will evolve. You know, we, we want to um, make it the currency in the payment option uh, for all the, the data and the transactions that are being put on the network uh, so people can actually trade in QNT and it can be used for hundreds and hundreds of use cases around uh, you know, AI, data, uh, if you want to do uh, an MDAP on payments, if you want to do an MDAP as an exchange, if you want to do um, yeah, anything, uh, you know, computes, if you want to create like an AWS uh, equivalent on, on the Overledge network, all of this is possible. So QNT has just become that, you know, pure utility token that can be used for everything. I feel like we could end the episode right there, but uh, luckily for you guys, there's a little bit more than that. Thank you so much for watching. Yarn, <laughs> um, if you can click the next link, uh, it's under utility speculation thread on the uh, third page graphics there. <clears throat> I love how everyone was just staring at Gilbert, even Monty there in that uh, previous video. Everyone was just yeah. listening. All right, so right here I've got is a thread that I put together that references some of the on-chain speculation, some of the on-chain data that we have that we think is overledger, as well as kind of tying it into other bits behind the scenes that kind of make this what is looking like abstract information, what takes that and gives it a little bit more context. So the, the first thing that we have here is a comment that was recently made 
um, by Gilbert. Uh, I'm sure if you guys have been in the community, you remember some, a lot of recent confusion on what the QNT token is and, and how it's used. And that uh, resulted in this statement here coming from Gilbert a couple months ago. And in it, essentially, he just continues again to affirm the usage of the QNT token, the usage of um, different pathways for that. And from there, you can start to look at some of the other things that Gilbert has talked about. Uh, he's previously mentioned that the enterprise treasury is live transacting and after tokens. This means this has to be visible. Like you can't have <laughs> the QNT token moving around in this ecosystem without visibility on chain. Wow. This is an ERC-20 token. It's all public. So what we're looking at right now, we're about to dive into is patterns of data that mimic what we see in the quant white paper and that align with not only the type of movements and behaviors we would expect from this utility, but also align with now information from two separate partners uh, in kind of like in very niche ways that help explain why we're seeing it like this. So if you guys have followed some of the work that I've done previously, you've probably seen this before. I've been talking about it for nearly a year now, but essentially we have what we believe is QNT utility, evidence of overledger in action, locking up tokens, transacting in QNT, and ultimately having an impact on the price. So yeah. if you guys have more questions about this particular stuff, please just go ahead and shoot me a, a message. I'd be more than happy to, to share additional information, help explain it to you, walk you through different addresses. Um, this in and of itself, we could talk for a couple hours just here. But essentially, um, the too long didn't read would be, we have had many times now over the last year where we've had a pump that aligns with this on-chain data. So in this thread, what there are is references to some of the most recent pumps, especially in, in sideways or down trends for the, the broader market. There's mm -hmm. less noise and this stuff is mm -hmm. easier to see and it stands out more. And then you have a greater speculative impact from that. Um, so like the one of these first references talks about how, uh, if you guys remember a couple months ago, QNT went down, it hit $40. And then there were some weird things that started happening right around $40 as it was going down. Mm -hmm. And then as it kind of bottomed out, there were some days where quant just went crazy. In fact, in this thread, there's a reference to one of the largest pumps where QNT pumped 26% against Bitcoin flat. That's insane. 26% movement against the entire market. We're, we're in the, uh, yeah, right here. So over the last couple of months, there's been several days where QNT out of seemingly nowhere has been the number one performing token. Mm -hmm. And when you dive into the data on chain, what you see is these same patterns occurring over and over, <clears throat> uh, not only align on these dates, but they, they, initiated i mean the, the timing is uncanny so mm -hmm. what's happening um it, it does it changes over time some of these patterns so it's it's really difficult to, to come to concrete conclusions but objectively what we're seeing is large outflows of qnt moving off of coinbase and other exchanges but for this purpose it's just coinbase um 
automated via a, a, a bot that's able to send out these transactions very quickly. These mm-hmm. transactions are matching, indicating they're denominated in a different fashion, be it a specific fiat domination relative to the date, time, and price of QNT. Yeah, an example, uh, ladies, you, you can see the example here on the screen right now. Um, you can see the, the number 116. The, the number is 14.844. And that same number up to the 18 decimal repeats for number 117, 118, 119, 120. And so on, um, and, and and this happens very often. And it, it is thread from Hungarian. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll put it in the in the description. Um, you you can actually see for yourself um, what is going on and how these Coinbase wallets, most of the time Coinbase too, um, is like an in betweener or maybe an accumulation for that before it gets moved to another wallet, um, and and then moved again. So over the last year, there's been a lot of discussion on what exactly this is. Of course, we think it could be utility. We think it matches these lockup patterns for a couple of reasons. One, first and foremost, like 99% of these wallets, greater than 99% of these, um, they don't send any QNT out. They don't have any other tokens. They don't have any other behavior. They only hold QNT. And further, the, the ones that do send QNT out actually have what appears to be a recycle function. So the QNT actually is, is sent out to either back to the exchange or back to what appears to be like a master address, like a buffer kind of, uh, and then it routes back out to other channels. So it's like, you could say maybe a payment channel being closed and another one being opened. It yeah. is kind of what it looks like. So we've had now over the last year, several million QNT that have been locked in, in these patterns. And that's really important for a couple of reasons. Um, when we talk about utility, I think that a lot of people think that the impact of utility would just be up only, just a, a giant green candle, pump us to $10,000 out of nowhere. At least, but, Hungarian, yeah, right? at least. Flip the switch, 589. No, um, the, the reality is, like from a network security perspective, that's going to cause a lot of issues. If you design... Mm-hmm the token to operate in such a way to where usage of the network created such enormous pressure to move the token so quickly that anyone who had the token was immediately richer than they could possibly imagine, then you, you undermine security of the network because now it's, it's more of a token for people to gain value on and like act as a casino versus to Yep. accrue and store value through being a part of the network and secure through their part. Like you don't want it to move too fast, mm-hmm. um, but you also don't want it to move too slow. What you want is long-term stable growth that reflects the growth of the network. I mean, honestly, when you think about it in its purest sense, and this is literally what Gilbert's saying, QNT is the, is the, uti- the, per- the pure utility token. I, I think that we can look at this almost as like a new paradigm. If you think of the way like an ETF works or just different type of index funds, you yeah. essentially have like this aggregate measurement that is attempting to take a value of a particular sector or industry or type of technology. And the way it does it is in like this mediated method of stock values and all these other factors that they give you ideas, but not necessarily have a whole lot of organic translation. 
So when we look at something like the QNT token in relation to the Overledger network, the QNT token could very easily be viewed as the next generation of index funds. I mean, really, if you think about it, owning a QNT token, mm. in addition to the benefits and the ability to participate with the products in the ecosystem, it also reflects value relative to the network growth, i.e. Yeah. a perfect translation representing the value of the network. It's literally an index fund for Web3. So interesting. if yeah. you scroll up now, um, I have a little scribble that I made. But before we... Before we go there, I just want to add something. I mean, the, the entire ETF thesis is true, right? Because it's not only Web3, it's just all the things that come together in Overledger. And there's this Press joke fire. that, yeah, there's this joke that the ultimate uh, diversification is what being 100% in QNT. Um, I think it resembles some kind of truth. It, it makes yeah, sense. You know, it's, it's tough, like, it's such a weird dynamic. It's like we have yeah. this emerging method of aligning ourselves with yeah. ideas and products and companies that are emerging now because they offer a way to align the value to our role in a way that was very different than Web 2. And what that means now is that people mm. have way more opportunity. You, By being a, a part of these different ecosystems, especially as they grow, and who knows what's going to happen from here, you know, what innovation is going to happen. But by being a part of them, there's just more opportunity. And I mean, it, it all ties into like, like we were talking about before the show, these like larger inevitabilities around efficiency. It's like literally, it, it's like water, you know, it's going to take the path of least resistance. People are yep. going to take, they're going to use technology that offers more benefits than others. People are going to do things that position them in other, in front of other people to make money, to accrue resources, to survive. I mean, it literally, it breaks down fundamentally into like this overarching principle of life existing to resist entropy and the resistance of entropy is every action in life. I, I, I could go on for this for a while, but um, <laughs> essentially let's, let's take I, a right turn. If we're going to go into entropy, yeah. I'll, I'll love it, but we're going to lose. Um, we're probably going to lose people. <laughs> yeah. So if you scroll real quick, I have a, a little scribble that I put together and yeah. this is, is something that I've been talking about with a couple people way smarter than me um ghost has helped kind of guide my my thoughts around this as well as aaron and both of those guys are just incredible researchers in this space grateful to be able to learn um but basically kind of what, we're, what we're coming up with is that utility it does impact price action without a doubt um utility just impacts it differently than people think as we previously mentioned, a lot of the general conceptions around utility is like this giant green candle out of nowhere. Every person from this arbitrary date is going to get rich despite this network having a goal of the next 30 to 50 to 100 years. Like, doesn't make any sense. Um, so when we look at the, the way that reducing the amount of tokens in supply through lockups might impact price, and we look at some of the historical examples, what we see is that utility creates scarcity. That's important here. So utility doesn't necessarily pump the price. Now, if, if there's a large amount of tokens that need to be purchased and the treasury doesn't have enough, then yeah, you could definitely see some, some pressure. And, and there's probably some times that when we when find out more in the future that we can reference different events. But 
the the important thing that utility does is it creates scarcity and scarcity creates new floors so there's always going to be people that will speculate on the token and as we talked about earlier the the network itself is going to continue to grow and the real value of that network will continue to grow so we see in the middle this mean value the utility network effects call this um like the true utility value. If we use the ETF example or the index fund example, this would be like saying, um, this is the valuation uh, of the network. And maybe it ends up being like that. That's the paradigm. It's literally just an organic valuation component. But um, we can speculate on the token, we can buy and sell. So as scarcity, as the token becomes more and more scarce, it becomes um, easier for the price to move up and harder to push it down because there's just simply less of it. And this, you can think of it like a flywheel. It just continues to spin faster and faster and faster. So what ends up is we have these periods of time where we're going to speculate and the price is going to go above the, the mean utility value. This is arguably something that happened in uh, you know, late summer of last year. Then inevitably, uh, with any type of speculative action, you're going to have a reversal in that. And then we see is uh, the price moving down, but we also then see other types of behavior from lockups and from um, you know, a price action perspective that, that creates strength in a way that it just, it's not seen in other assets. So I have, like, yeah, I have a question. Could, yeah. I have a question. You were talking about the, the price action of last uh, late summer. So September, we went to 400 something. And then it was a slow bleed down. And, how would you explain that that happened? And what I mean is, let's say utility is an ever ongoing thing, which I think it is. And I agree that it doesn't have to pump price. It can create new price floors. What happened then during those, yeah, let's say nine to 10 months of downtrend? Well, I mean... You so if we look at, um, I guess, the, the two biggest examples for networks that have distributed, we can look at something like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And in the earlier days of Bitcoin and Ethereum, because it was less distributed, um, you know, whether you want to look at something like market makers or traders or whales or whatever, um, the less distributed it is, the more susceptible it is to uh, manipulation. And I think just like with Bitcoin and Ethereum over time, as the networks grew in value, as they grew in users, and in, as that all, all the organic translations from that grows, um, it just becomes harder and harder to have one particular group um, or entity or even the impact of retail influence in such a way. So what I think happened last year is kind of the perfect storm of one, you know, the, the biggest bull run in modern history, pretty much. Uh, combined with um, speculation, overextending it, combined with kind of pent up demand through, you know, we'll call it the $40 range breakout. You were part of the community then um, through everything that led up through 2020 and 2021 with quant, from, you know, ODAP release, you know, finding out about ODAP to Oracle to all these like major um, evolutions that really legitimized and, and gave undeniable proof for what Quan is doing. 
that yeah. created a lot of um a, a basically a spec at a bubble in which we overextended from that mean utility value and then i think it's just from there it's, it's a battle between the psychology of traders and you know there's probably some market making in there too i think that one of the things that really stands out to me to take it back to your core question yarno the reason that happened is because it every breakout was sold if you remember there was like mm-hmm. a three-month window four-month window after the pump where we just had like bull flag after bull flag <laughs> it just kept going and it looked like i mean the, the chart was insane everyone thought we were about to break out to you know a thousand plus any day and every breakout was sold so if you zoom in on that period of time you just see a bunch of wicks and you know you could look at maybe there's a lot of organic sell pressure because people believe in QNT. I mean, the, the average holder for QNT holds for about 650 days, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Um, and in conjunction with QNT holding $40 for like three or four months against just absolute insanity elsewhere in the markets, I sure. think that also has like some psychological impacts. You know, people maybe delay taking profits in different ways. So mm-hmm. whatever combination of psychology of market makers of just retail influence is kind of what what caused that. And I'm definitely not an expert, so I can't tell you how exactly that works. But at its core, what we're seeing is that utility creates price support. It creates price stability. I mean, there's, I don't think it, it's, it's any coincidence that QNT only has 65,000 holders, yet the <laughs> log chart has been up only for five years. So, how, does that, how does that relate to your opinion? Well, it's like like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's the growth of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a project or an idea or a solution that exists that solves problems that have a lot of value, then it's going to continue to be used, it's continued to grow, you know, provided, you know, everything happens the way it should. So that's really just the the growth process i mean it's just so i I think the best way to look at it would be it creates stability in a lot of different ways and early on Mm -hmm. it's more speculative Mm -hmm. and then later on the speculation has less weight because utility has more weight in fact i mean if you go back to even the blockchain brad interviews and you you listen to what gilbert talks about around QNT utility, this is back in 2018, talks about how he doesn't want people to be disappointed or he doesn't, he's not sure what the expectations are early on about utility. And you you could theorize that when you look at some of this on-chain data, there's been utility to some extent in different ways happening for a while now. Mm-hmm. And it's only as the network effects have grown uh, that it's gotten to a point to where one, the on-chain data and the price action becomes something we can't really ignore. Uh, and two, to the point where this carries a lot more weight. And then further, one more thing, going back to the flywheel, the, the way that this all works, and that you can even see this on, uh, on chain, you can't push the QNT price down for long. It's, it's kind of like, it'd be like if you wanted to push a beach ball underwater, because yeah. the lower the price of QNT goes, the more QNT that gets locked up. And when we have this, you know, whatever, you know, obviously not linear, but we have this like growth trend for the network effects that 
kind of represents the mean utility value in a scarcity slash consumption perspective. When you have that and you then start to have it become oversold to where people in the, whether again, speculators or market makers or psychology, you know, all the above, Mm -hmm. as that gets oversold, these network effects are still much higher than the mean utility value. And what's happening then is we see just these crazy amounts of lockups. So um, actually, I would have to dig it up, but I, I documented this back when we were right around $40. So starting around $80, from 80 to 40 and back up again, we saw a lot of really interesting utility. In fact, um, Greg and actually did a little bit of research on this, and we found that one of these examples um, aligned when converted from the price of Q&T on those days into fiat aligned over like a four month window. They were paying the virtually the same amount with different amounts of Q&T tokens. Um, so what we saw, depending on your, your perspective of all this is the amount of Q&T that was being locked ramped up. And as the price went down, the amount of Q&T that was going through these different batch transactions that was going through these different patterns that we've been tracking for a year now uh, went up. So what that does is mm. it creates a lot more scarcity and that's where those floors are set. That's why we didn't, we're not going back to 40. You know, that's, it's it just not going to happen. You can Aww. push it down. Okay. Well, here's the thing. You can push it down. You can, especially if you have the means to like, especially like this early, there's not that many holders. There's barely any volume in the grand scheme of things. And utility mm -hmm. is only active in a small capacity from some early clients. Like, so yeah, I mean, you, you could overwhelm it. Sure. If you really wanted to, there's some players out there that could make it happen, but you're only going to make it pump harder because every time you push it down, more QNT gets locked up. Yeah. And it, it, it's like right now, QNT pumps off of like a thousand QNT. Like if you wanted to go out and buy a thousand QNT, even if you did it on multiple exchanges, unless you're really careful, you're probably going to pump the price. It, it, it's pretty insane how little it actually takes to pump us right now. But um, I, I think we'll move on from this. But mm -hmm. I, I wanted to put that out there. If you guys, again, if you have any more questions, just reach out to me. I would be happy to provide any more context and, and information on this. But suffice to say, it is something that not just me, but a lot of other people in the community are pretty excited about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, if, if you're newish to quant, to where this is something that's like new and blowing your mind right now, this next thing is probably going to be very interesting to you because it's probably what you're thinking right now. If quant is such an incredible company, if quant is this revolutionary technology organization that's changing the entire world, then why are you only hearing about it from some dudes on some you know, YouTube channel? An well, ill-advised, trashy, quamfy show. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 there's there's people who actually accuse of us of being paid by by Quant Network. Mm -hmm. And uh, I must say, my payment actually resumed. Your, I'm not sure about you, but Andrew returned to office and uh, actually got some Quant. No, no, there we're you joking. Go. No. We are no, we are joking. Uh, it's take it's it away. funny. We put all this time and energy into talking about crypto um, in a space to where there is like a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of BS and like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I know it's, it's the same for most of us here. I have literally never made a cent off of promoting crypto, off of educating in crypto, off of talking about crypto 
what I, I have given away a lot of money in promoting it just to, to make things fun yeah. for people, given away a lot of QNT, uh, but we, none of us here are ever paid. No, I'm not aware of any community content that was ever paid. So literally this incredibly passionate group of people that put so much time and energy into all these different creative and outreach mediums, it's completely organic because they recognize how exciting this is. Yeah. Which is just, it's, it's so cool. But uh, Yarn, if you want to click the, the thread actually under QNT stealth mode, I've got the, the link with a little bit of context here. But what this is from oh, dear. is the G12 um, UK government digital marketplace. So it's, essentially uh, it's the... It's not loading on me, man. That's okay. Um, you can just uh, zoom in on the, the, the screenshot. Oh, here it is. In the dock. Oh, there we go. Cool. Third time's charm. So what this is here is, for, again, it's from the public UK government official digital marketplace. This is the government sanctioned resource to get digital infrastructure services. Uh, and Overledger has been a part of this G12 framework since 2020. Uh, they are also on the G13 set to go live uh, later, but that's a, a different conversation. Um, exciting stuff there, though. So in uh, in driving through these different documents, they have their terms of service and their terms of use. And when you read through it in the fine print, there's this little bullet point right here, which essentially is in the extensive list of what things are prohibited for overledger users. And it, it says quite, quite clearly, um, you are not allowed to talk about performance information or do any analysis with any limitations or with, sorry, without any limitations of um, any source to the Overledger platform or documentation of anything in the Overledger ecosystem. It so literally reads, yeah. publicly disseminate performance information or analysis, including without limitation benchmarks from any source relating to the Overledger platform or documentation or any other part of the wider Overledger ecosystem. And guys, so, like, remember, this is a nothing. public doc. Yeah. This you explains imagine... so much. This explains so much. Imagine okay. the type of secrecy and NDAs and agreements that have to happen for clients once they actually start working. Again, like, this is, like, about as, as a public as you can get for getting into Overledger right now. It's, it's, it's um, completely open. But when we start talking about these different partnerships and you, you start to wonder like, oh, well, why is KPMG not on there? Why do we take, you know, five different um, redactions or different types of, you know, redacted leaks on, on one particular partner and still don't have confirmation? Well, it's because Quant is in stealth mode right now. They are an enterprise-focused organization that is connecting billions of users around the world right now with some of the most powerful and influential groups, entities, and governments on the planet. Um, it, it's, it's literally a, it's so big. And it's a private company, and it is for-profit, and that makes it a little bit different than your random Ethereum or Bitcoin or God knows what else. And that's uh, part of the cake you're buying. And I know people might have questions on that, like, well, why why do they do that? Why can't they just talk about it? Or why can't they just do something that's a little bit more visible and specific? 
And there's so many reasons here. Again, we're we're doing our best to, to digest all the information we have and combine it with different bits of uh, almost abstract information and then you know provide a little bit of speculation to fill in the blanks. But whether you want to talk about like NDA privacy concerns, whether you want to talk about the documented white label strategy, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a huge rabbit hole. Uh, whether you want to talk about I mean, the the marketing perspective of what this allows. I mean, if if you're a company and you have the you're an infrastructure company and you're providing a core service for someone to build and use, and you have you can give them the ability to take this revolutionary, game changing tech and brand it as their own proprietary, unique product. I mean, that that's so incredibly value to any real organization that mm. like it's it's hard to comprehend if you're not in that world if you're not you know in the corporate world or the, the enterprise world this stuff might not make sense to you but if you are in this world and a lot of people in the quant community right now they are and that's why this resonates with them if you understand this then this is a very important piece of the puzzle that will make a lot of this make sense so definitely make sure you take a moment to really read this through and reflect on the implications especially in context of everything else we know. Now, something else is interesting too in this doc. Um, going on further into this doc, what we find is a second reference to a format that is indicative of what we're seeing on chain being actual utility. So if you click that link, um, Yarno, I've got the, let's see where this one go. I've got, yeah, the, the link to the LACNA documentation. So this first piece right here um, is, is from that original G12 cloud doc. It's the same doc. It's the same source that has this uh, information about the NDAs. And it basically says... Um, uh, is this the right one, Hungarian? Uh, yep, that's it. And it, it talks about um, purchasing transactions in bundles and limiting transactions to a certain amount in that bundle until more are purchased. So then the next thing we can look at is this tweet here I put together. So LACnet uh, is built on LACchain, so LAC chain. And LACnet is, I mean, think of it like CNet to see a chain, really, if you, if you want like an analogy there. So um, in, in these public release docs that came out a couple of weeks ago, they described their, their subscription model. And it's a, a membership-based model that utilizes tiers of offerings to batch the transactions um, that are paid by the node operator. So like, let's say you have a project and you wanna host it or you, you, want, you wanna launch your project on this. You as the node operator pay for the transaction fees for your end users. That means the people that are using your uh, multi-chain application, they don't need to pay transaction fees. They arguably don't even need to have private keys, depending on how you develop the uh, the UI. I mean, it, it's it basically it it also it removes the necessity for um, private key management, depending on how you put it in there. And, and that's it, what adoption course, looks like. Actually, it, it really yeah. is. Yeah. So this is kind of interesting here because what we have is now two uh, of the biggest and most legitimate public use cases and partners for Overledger with the same type of reference architecture talking about how transactions are batched into groups and paid for in batches. Now, 
This, I believe, is why we don't see individual transactions on Overledger. We don't see you know, millions and millions of, of transactions spamming the QNT token. Uh, and I think that's a lot of the, some of the early concerns people have on the ERC-20 status. Like, oh, it's an ERC-20 status. How can you do you know, 1.7 million transactions per second hint, hint, um, with an, an ERC-20 token? And this is the answer, I believe. It's that you're paying in, you're getting access to a particular service and that service is just so much like existing internet uh, products and services. You pay for a certain amount of access and you get that amount of access for your users. Yeah. So you don't have to pay for individual transactions because if you start doing that, it will become a mess. It's much smarter. Well, technically... You do, don't you? I mean, every no transactions are free. Same as with Overledger Network. Um, every transaction needs to be paid for, but there are probably plans for enterprise where they can just get an unlimited plan and the treasury will just keep on facilitating and paying gateway operators. And kind of Lagnet is, is now the, the opposite, where actually the operator provides the gas and stuff and, well... You think about something like AWS hosting a lot of enterprise. I mean, I, I don't have the exact figure on hand, but it's it's by far the dominant percentage of, of enterprise infrastructures on AWS right now, at least. Um, and when you think about how these organizations interact with these services, it's, it's very similar. They purchase a license. It gives them access to a particular set of products and services, which also reflect the amount of usage and volume and access these products get. It's the reason why um, these enterprise relationships and partnerships are all, are all private and individualized. It's unique to meet the needs of each particular customer, their use cases, and, and, and how they want to bring that to life on the Overledger network. So, well, 33% yeah. is 33. Yeah, Amazon Web Services. In the first quarter, most popular vendor cloud infrastructure services market, Amazon Web Services controlled 33% of the entire market. I don't oh, wow. think we can get much more specific than that. And Azure takes up 21%, followed okay. by Google Cloud with eight. Okay, so it's a little lower than I had thought. But when you think about the way that this allows a company or an enterprise, an organization, a government, any group to take their product, service, or idea and then make it real, like in the, in these tiny blockchain Web3 micro niche circles, yeah, people might talk to you about the very specific tech things and and debate whether or not the the ideology of one is better than the other or you know, all these very nuanced things that really don't matter. But at the end of the day, if you're a multi-billion dollar brand, you don't, especially if you're not a technology infrastructure company, you don't care about how it works. You don't care about the details. You care that does it work? Does it allow me to take my product, my service, to the market mm. before other people? Is it safe? Is it secure? Will it protect my our, our margins? Does this give us the type of control we need? Like that's that's how the world works. And the permissionless world will evolve, no doubt. But from I, I think that the collective perspective of the community, what we are excited about is the the evolution of the world going digital. Like there's people that can get really excited about how 
the permissionless world will evolve and it, and it certainly will. But if you look at where most of the world's money and power and energy is right now, it's not in these like open decentralized worlds. It's in existing companies. It's in uh, financial institutions. It's in organizations that are very ingrained with the current way the world works, the current interactions. Like you, you can't have this existing world just flip a switch and immediately decentralize. Like for so many reasons, I mean, it, it, down to the, the infrastructure itself, like it, it, it undermines the integrity of how an enterprise even functions if you don't have a system of control and hierarchy. Like even, it's interesting, there's actually data that's come out. I, I'd have to do a little bit of research to get you the exact data point, but they they did some studies in the like the mainstream crypto uh, decentralized circles. And they were asking people, if you could choose between two products that had identical products, and the only difference was one was run by a DAO, and then the other was run by a team. The overwhelming conclusion is that people trust the team over decentralized tooling, at least in current state. So you look at, um, there's a really cool graphic. It's called um, All the World's Money Visualized. You can probably just Google it and pull it up if you want, but it, it goes through and kind of like provides a, a graphic to show where the value in the world is concentrated. And you can look at like asset classes, you can look at um, you know derivatives markets, you can look at all these different places that we put value in, but mm-hmm. the uh, reality yes. is like this all exists in this like one. what we call like the web two world. The, the like everyone to look at it, the centralized world, the the existing legacy world, basically the the systems of structure um, and, and hierarchy that exist. So if you want to capture real value and you really want mass adoption, you start with this and then you build out public permissions uh, and permissionless environments for people to experiment and, and, and build that are regulatory compliant, that are able and recognized by people and governments and industry as the standard, as the appropriate way to conduct business. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting real close and it's, getting, it's definitely coming together. But I just wanted to make sure we took a moment to kind of reflect on some of these concepts because they are, I believe, fundamental to really understanding the vision. Well, they are. Renault's scrolling through like a website. That, oh. that little dot on the on the very top, I think. No, yeah. it's the. Yeah, it's a bit bigger than the, silver. What pie do you want to fight over? Do you want to fight over that pie, or do you want to fight over the rest of the pie? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, for the the people listening, we are looking at a screen and they visualized how much, uh, how the money is distributed. And what you see here is a square about the size of of your of your. Um, how does the thing of the mouse the mouse called the arrow of the mouse? About that size is worth a hundred billion. Silver is like one mouse arrow. Uh, Bitcoin is a little bit of a bigger mouse arrow and, and and something, and then you get the military spending, which is like ten of those. U.S. Def- uh, budget deficit is about like what twenty five, and then it just gets exponential, exponential. <laughs> Fortune five hundred is like two hundred fifty of those uh, squares. Stock market what two two fifty? I have no clue, and then it just moves on and on and on. 
click the link in the description it's pretty interesting especially when you realize that the derivatives market is 11.6 trillion gross market value and the notional value is 558.5 trillion and that's a low-end estimate that's a lot of fucking squares um, but it's a really interesting graphic most of you guys probably seen it um, definitely worth just to see how tiny crypto is compared to the real world the last thing i'll say on this um <clears throat> when we talk about like projecting or projecting evaluation and speculating on what we think a token might be worth by using a measurement like market cap um it, it's a very in, in a lot of times it's an arbitrary way of looking at things so to help kind of ground that and provide a little more context uh, a really interesting metric that i like to look at is the total size and value of the space right now. And it's, it's roughly a trillion dollars, depending on, you know, what time is it right now? Um, <laughs> but some of the, uh, really a lot of the leading researchers and most respected people in the space kind of collectively agree that the Web3, the Internet of Trust, the Internet of Things, this next generation of Internet is going to have a value in excess uh, of 10 times the value of the current internet, which puts the projections anywhere from 100 to 150 trillion on their most conservative, um, on their most conservative figures. So when you look at where we're at now, that is at minimum a hundredfold straight line increase in relative value growth. Now, we all know that the tokens that eventually end up being out there and the organizations that end up being leaders are, are going to be very different than what, what makes up the leaders as of now, just as every, every year and every cycle has done before. But when you think about what that means for QNT in, in this context, what we can look at is the relative market share. So just essentially of all of the value in crypto, how much of it does Quant represent? And... Right now, it's I have it all written down, but it's like 0.0 something percent, like one one hundredth of a percent or so um, uh, of, of value. So the question becomes, if you believe that QNT is going to be a large player in the future and will continue to be one of the biggest names in Web3, crypto and beyond, then do you think that they can capture how much, you know, 1% of the relative market share? Can they capture 0.5%? And we, I think for reference, we could probably look at something like Google. Um, we could look at something like AWS. I mean, we, we just found out that the exact metric over 30% of the world's internet is, is hosted through AWS. So if, if you think that Overledger and Quant can capture less than 1% of the value and the volume of Web3, then QNT is above a $10,000 token. Like that's just math. It's insane. Bitcoin dominance right now is 37% and ETH is at 19%. So that's some perspective on what one coin can achieve. We all know that, well, Bitcoin dominance, but Bitcoin is the OG. Uh, well, the older you get, the sooner you die. And <laughs> let's not go here. Uh, sorry. Yeah, one percent um, for quant, I think, is low. I think uh, it's going to be, well, hell of a lot more. 
may I have one little nuance when you showed the, mm. the, the, the website with all the world's money visualized? Mm. It said that the total market cap of crypto is like around 250 billion in English. One trillion. Yeah, that graphic yeah, is from like early 2020. Yeah, it's a bit outdated, but still, even if you put it in perspective for, for the statistics of nowadays, it's it's nothing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that also doesn't factor in the growth of all those other asset classes. So you think about how has all these other like look at global real estate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the the ratios are are pretty wild. How are we doing on time right now? No idea. We're, uh, around fifty six minutes. Okay, so I'm about. I've got a good amount of stuff. You want to just keep rocking through this? You want to um, swap something else, or what are you thinking? I'm fine with everything. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. just go, we'll think, go with uh, the flow, I guess. Yeah, we're we're at a good pace. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, let's just uh, go ahead and scroll to the next one. We have the SIA updates. Now, if you guys have been involved with Quant for any amount of time, you've probably heard a reference to SIA. And if you haven't been following Quant super closely lately, that's kind of might be the where, where that ends. SIA represents now the largest um, fintech organization in Europe. It, it's actually something that's bigger than SWIFT. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing because when you talk about, when you look at some of the narratives in crypto, like the ISO narratives, the SWIFT narratives in crypto, you have these coins that will like kind of make their speculative value proposition based off or predicated on like a partnership with an organization like SWIFT. And then you have someone like Quant who comes along who one of Quant's clients is actually bigger than Swift. So let's let that sink in for a sec. Uh, in fact, you know what? Let's go let Gilbert say it himself. You've got a little quote there uh, and it's in the, if you want the full one, it's in the doc, Yarno. Um, Gilbert, well, not many people understand the scale of SIA. It's one of the world's largest financial infrastructures that connects central banks, commercial banks, financial institutions, and governments. If you think of any bank globally, they are already connected to CNN. They all have access to CIA chain and now to Overledger. It would have taken us 20 plus years just to meet half of those clients. We've gained access to all of them. Yeah. Mm. The now gift that keeps on giving. <sighs> just, it goes and goes and goes. And this is, um, this is old. Like these statements are pre-Nexi merger. So mm. if you didn't know, CIA has merged with Nets and with Nexi. Uh, and that is now how they have formed this entity that is larger than Swift. So I've actually got a metric here uh, that, that references some of the stuff that they're doing. Uh, but basically right now, the scope is roughly a thousand banks and financial institutions, 2 million merchants with 100 million, 120 million cards, processing 21 billion transactions that spans over 5,000 employees in 15 countries. I mean, this is a massive, truly behemoth organization. Yep. And something interesting just happened. SIA just partnered with, or sorry, Nexi, Nexi Group just partnered with Microsoft. Now, what's really interesting about this is about, and we're, we're about to get really speculative here, but um, about a week before this announced, this PR dropped, it, there was an announcement that uh, Microsoft, and this is actually at um, Microsoft's 
like big event. They announced that they are integrating in OCI into their cloud service Azure. So that means that Oracle's cloud infrastructure is supported in cloud environments for Microsoft. So you can have like the ability for these to, to work with each other. And you can run, like if you have a product in one, you can have it supported in the other. And, and a lot of other interfaces and things that I'm not technically competent enough to be able to explain to you. But one week after this integration, we get this release that uh, Nexi partners with Microsoft to drive digitalization of the entire European payment space. Now, Yarna, if you want to go back to the, the Nexi homepage, there's actually a really cool video I would love to have everyone watch. It's an enterprise ad for Quant. Was so there a link or do you want me to just go to it? Just go back to the homepage, uh, the, the Nexi group homepage. I, I've not been on the Nexi homepage, have I? Oh, I thought I said you had it open. That might have just been my screenshot. Um, type in Nexi group. Let's go to their homepage. And then scroll one video over. So on the, on the main tile, can you scroll over on that? Uh, go up to the landing page. And then like that, it should be a carousel. So not that one, but you should be able to, to. I do have the link if we can't find it, but um, if you go to the next group homepage. I was on nexi.it with my dumbass. Oh, okay, that, that looks better. So you see this is a carousel. Go to the second um, bullet point right there and hit watch. <laughs> I think we uh, might There's have lost audio. We don't hear sounds. You are now sharing a video with no sound, so we see people walking and. Got to have the hype audio. Yeah. Where is the audio? Jorno, do you hear us? No, he no I think I hear he, some music. He's jamming out to the hype audio. What? There was, you were watching a video with no audio. No, the audio was on. Audio was just Yeah, not but not at here. our side. So we couldn't hear anything. Okay. You want me to turn the... No, no, it's not. Uh, it's all good. People can pull it, this it's up. All good. I think we, we don't need the audio necessarily. So, what this do you is want to, something that's to better, tell here? Uh, yeah. Just to like link if people want to watch it on their own. But there, I've got some references to a few a few things like this where we have enterprise partners uh, marketing their new digital products <clears> using <throat> all of the things you'd expect um, that align with you know the FA. It aligns with the white paper. It aligns with Gilbertisms. I mean, everything you could take your pick. So I just think it's exciting to see the finished, like polished products that are facing consumers and enterprises um, about like the underlying tech behind it. So yeah. really cool stuff coming from Nexi. But this actually brings us to something that's really exciting. The implications of something like this uh, with Quant is it, it raises the question 
of what is quant integrated into. Um, so with Oracle, we know as of last year, we had the official announcement, the official confirmation from Oracle. It presented at their events uh, and, and they showed that quant powers uh, interoperability for Oracle blockchain platform. But since then in discussions with Gilbert and AMAs and, and other types of um, public facing communication, we've also learned that quant is actively working um, with Oracle and other core products and services, which leads us to speculate, well, what products and services might Oracle have integrated Overledger into? So let's go ahead and speculate. This in particular, uh, when we look at Nexi Group being a partner of Quant uh, and integrated, you know, being their interoperability, interoperability provider, one of the first things I look at is OCI. This is an OCI integration with a Quant partner on Quant projects or Quant speculative projects. So what is, to what me, is OCI it, again? Sorry, uh, yeah, what? Cloud, yes, yes, good. Oracle <laughs> Cloud Infrastructure. So that is Oracle's primary cloud product. And within OCI, there are all types of applications and vendors and different services you can you can get. In fact, it's very likely that at some point in your life, you've either worked for a company that had their infrastructure running on this, or you've used a product or service that runs through this. Um, it's mm -hmm. again, just, just like uh, Azure with Microsoft, we're talking about, it's their core cloud infrastructure. And something that's like really exciting about kind of bring this all together is that Oracle right now, they're one of their primary focuses as an organization is becoming the dominant player in the cloud space. And the growth that they're seeing with quants integration and some of these speculative partnerships that we're about to cover are absolutely in line with, with that core strategy. So looking at Oracle, what's exciting about this is that as they are a large public company, they are required to have a lot of information facing the public. So you can read all types of financial releases and documents and uh, partner stories. And from there, it makes the research process a lot more exciting because if you can get something to work on, you can start to connect different pieces. So what we have here is a screenshot that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you've been following Quant, you know that Gilbert communicates in code. He, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he is a natural born coder and everything that he has done with the community has in, in one context or another been around some type of uh, reading between the lines. He, you know, he leaves hints, he puts codes and little Easter eggs for the community in. And the longer you are with the community, the more you realize how true this actually is. So if, if you're new to this, stay with me here. And if at the end Gilbert you have questions- was actually an, uh, an ethical hacker. Yeah, he was a white hat. Sorry? He was a white hat, yeah. Yeah, so that means that he was actually trying to break into systems, stress testing, and, and, and looking for, for vulnerabilities but then in service of the companies that he was trying to hack, which is really interesting. He also he, he wrote two books on uh, enterprise security, uh, one. And, and the other one was about, what did you say before the episode, Hungarian? 
Uh, well, he, he's written some interesting books. I think we'll probably leave it at that. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> ah, but okay. Um, okay. Look, looking at this right here, what, what's really exciting is we see something that doesn't necessarily happen organically. Like what this is, is, you know, Gilbert followed uh, at the same time, you know, almost a dozen different accounts that are all kind of related in one way or another. So we have uh, a lot of the Aston Martin stuff. We have McLaren and then we have Oracle Red Bull Racing. So, yeah, so the Aston cool. Martin was, was and Aston Martin Works, Heritage Trust, Public Relations, and Aston Martin Racing, and Aston Martin Main, and Aston Martin Aramco Cognizant F1 team. So, why? so what, what does that mean? Well, does he have a new car? Let's, yeah, right. Is, is Gilbert, you know, just looking for his next uh, Bond vehicle? As he signed up to be the next James Bond and he gets free oh. Aston Martin for life, maybe? Oh, man. Yeah. But mm. um, let's, let's start with what we know. Oracle. We know Quant has a very high level public relationship with Oracle. So what is Oracle Red Bull Racing? You go ahead and scroll down to the next page here. We've got some links to a few different things. So I actually, I didn't put it here, but if you just Google Oracle Red Bull Racing, there's all types of documents out there that cover this partnership. Um, but this partnership at its core for my research, it touches on two key components. First and foremost is OCI. The Oracle Red Bull Racing team kind of made headlines in these recent F1 circles by using next generation cloud technology to simulate race data in real time and process thousands and thousands of different possibilities and calculations to give them a technological edge in racing. Uh, really, really cool stuff. In fact, this background image that you can see um, is actually the Oracle headquarters in Texas. So you can see that, you know, this is a, this is, a, oh, it's all in the doc that I put in. Oh, we're back you, in the doc. Okay. It, it's just an indicator of how important this is to Oracle about, you know, to their image and their branding and, and as an organization. It's, you know, that's the lobby. So the, the link above this image is a, a link that goes into some more of the, the it's, uh, it's to popular mechanics and it, it talks about some of the, um, like the tech behind what's going on and, and how cloud computing in it with OCI is allowing them to do these things and have this like advantage. It also, uh, I've got some excerpts here. So 2022 season will feature expanded use of Oracle Cloud across its most significant areas of operation, including analytics-based race strategy, optimized engine developments, AI and machine learning powered driver training, and a tailored fan experience. So that last part right there is, is something that we're, we're going to dive into. Uh, one more quote on that team. This is also from the, the press release from Oracle. Team expands use of Oracle Cloud infrastructure to further improve race strategy, engine development, and projects within Red Bull Advanced Technologies. Red Bull Racing Paddock will gain new features to boost excitement and create stronger connections with fans. Announces new gaming partnership, Oracle Red Bull Racing Esports. So what is this telling us? One, first and foremost, OCI, like said previously, uh, the continued developments and integration with OCI, but there's not really a whole lot we can do beyond that, beyond just that particular link. Now, what we do have here is multiple references to new types of dynamics for fans and products. 
Now, guys, if you want to go ahead and uh, scroll down to the very bottom, or actually second to last, we have a release from Quan on QRC 721. Mm -hmm. This particular article came out like a week and a half ago, uh, and it was kind of like the the full overview kind of release of what this is and, and, and how you can interact with it, some examples of use cases. So when we talk about this connection, I'm specifically referring to this last little paragraph here, and I'll read it aloud. Lastly, we are testing a loyalty rewards program utilizing QRC 721 NFTs in our Hyperledger Fabric Sandbox on Overledger. This program enables users to request loyalty points, which are QRC uh, tokens, check balances for the amount owed, and redeem loyalty points with QRC 20 stablecoins. This example could help transform the loyalty industry, a key customer retention channel used by airlines, hospitality, and other sectors. So now, as a little bit of context here, why is loyalty rewards so important? Uh, so important. Well, we'll take something like the airline industry as an example. Uh, every airline that I'm aware of makes almost all of their money through their loyalty programs. Um, some of the biggest ones out there, like American and Delta, I think it's like 90% or more of their revenue comes from their loyalty program. They operate their flights either flat or, or sometimes even at a loss, depending on the setup. Um, and the money actually comes through this loyalty program. So the value that can be unlocked in one full interoperability between these platforms, but also greater efficiency and new use cases. I mean, it's multi-billion, multi-trillion dollar problems within loyalty, just within one sector um, alone. But let's go back to Oracle real quick. What does this all mean? Why are we thinking that Oracle and Red Bull Racing is related to these QRC 20, uh, 721 NFTs. Like, how, how does that make any sense? Well, there's a product from, from Oracle called CrowdTwist that's pretty exciting. And I actually have a, should be a link to it. Hmm. Yeah, right there. So go ahead and click on this link. And what we have is Oracle's overview of CrowdTwist. Now, we're not going to do it on today's uh, discussion, but you can actually hmm. dive into like their customer information, and you can read all different applications that are being built on it. You can read what partners are doing what. You can dive into their papers. And when you start doing that, you get a lot of Gilbertisms. You start finding a lot of very similar language and references and possibilities and just things that are kind of uniquely only done with Overledger right now. I mean, it, it's the same patterns we look at for the FAA and speculation we've been doing since the beginning of this. And, and I'll leave okay. that for another conversation, but definitely if you guys want a fun rabbit hole, dive around on this because you will find some stuff. This is interesting. Cool. I've never heard of this before. So this is completely new to me. Crowd twists from Oracle. Yeah, and I never heard of that either. Then it gets really interesting when you say there are Gilbertisms in there. Oh, very much. Oh, okay, okay. very, very much so. Do you have time maybe? to briefly jump on this? Um, I would. I don't have anything like set up, but okay, let me okay. just see what I can grab real quick. Um, don't feel pressure. I find to, uh... <laughs> the, most of the alpha for this kind of stuff it comes through like um, customer testimonials and overviews on applications that are being built. So yeah. 
the the actual insight isn't from this link. It's from like there's basically it's their sales funnel. You you find it when you start getting into their products, and then when you start asking like technical questions, it redirects you to like, well, here's what some other people have done. And it's in those deeper documents that you can start to see some really interesting references. Um, let's see. Uh, it does. Let's see. Apologies for the delay here. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's fine. I am just so um, amazed every time again. I mean, this is not new information for me. At least most of it isn't. But the the connections and 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 how much um, how intertwined it, it it all is. It is up to incestuous even. And yep. it's fascinating and, and just the scale of it alone um, and, and then realizing that Overledger is a, a, a data interoperability system and not money and that's one of the, yeah. the, the mistakes that most people keep on making um, yeah. that they're looking at the monetary value of, uh, of, of transactions or, or the monetary value of a company instead of the sheer amount of data that mm -hmm. they are creating and shipping and sending. And like we said on the, on the last Comfy show, a race car does not mm -hmm. fucking batch his data. It's just an endless stream of back and forth of data. So data coming in, going out, um, it cannot wait. And, 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 and the same goes for, for, for a lot of cloud things and stuff. It just needs to keep on going. And that's actually the holy grail for the tokenomics quant has, if you ask me. True. And what I find so interesting with the Oracle partnership um, is that it, it actually can go all kinds of directions. And uh, at first we already knew, uh, well, that, that Oracle, uh, well, does stuff with data. For example, I've brought up this example many times when you watch the Premier League in England. Uh, football, then you will see sometimes Oracle Cloud being promoted as a software, uh, I mean, as, as the data analysis service that is being used to track those football matches. And then we got the announcement that Oracle and Red Bull were partnering up. And I mean, they, they were already partners uh, in F1, but then at the beginning of this season, they became like one of their main main sponsors. It's so nice to just see all these things coming together because we already knew it. We already had the, the, the leads, but it gets confirmed more and more and more. It's and here, of course, we have our local or national hero known as Moxie. I just sent you guys a link um, in that Telegram channel to a potential product, uh, or I guess a potential user we have yeah. here is a cosmetic brand let's see um this is one of the ones that i thought made a lot of sense like overledger 
ELF Cosmetics takes loyalty yep. to iconic new levels with Oracle Crowd Twist. Insights delivered by Oracle Crowd Twist enable global beauty brand. Enable global beauty brand. There, there's missing an A or whatever. Fucks me up. <laughs> Insights so delivered by Oracle Crowd Twist enable global beauty brands to engage with customers, build a community, and stay ahead of market trends. The Oracle team has been awesome in helping us build a platform to make our vision a reality. Having that flexibility and being able to change elements as our program evolves is key to its success. Bridget. So check this out. Baron. We, we really want unique opportunities for people to earn points. We are big on gamification and we want to encourage trials of new product categories and activations tied to product launches. We needed the flexibility and ability to keep the program exciting and fresh for, part, for participants. Innovative and forward-thinking brands, uh, let's see, at the very end, it says, uh, not every program does a great job of making it worthwhile to move up. We thought about what we could do to make that truly unique for our top members. And we needed the technology to make all of those things possible. So what they're saying is, hey, we wanted to gamify our platform. We want to have a lot of variability. We want to continue to put new things, emerging technology into this. And we need a way to continue to do this flexibly. I don't know if you guys are hearing what I'm hearing, uh, but tell me you're using quant without saying you're using quant. Uh -huh. um, okay, in there we also have uh, Oracle CrowdTwist loyalty and engagement, part of the Oracle advertising and customer experience suite of applications. Uh, but a, flex a flexible cloud-based platform. CrowdTwist enable the company to manage customer retention, drive loyalty, and build a unique program across online and in-store channels that uses customer experience as a key differentiator. Through experiences such as non-purchase activities and gamification, new product trials, VIP events, and downloading the brand app, brands are able to engage customers beyond transactions and begin to understand why they consume and what motivates purchasing decisions. So when you think about like how to do some of these things. Um, a lot of the like emerging conversations on gamification are in like the play to earn tokenized space. And it's such an organic way to do it because really it's, it's, it's just better efficiency and programmability on top of existing systems. Like why would you want to build a program to do this when you can have something similar or something that's simpler that has like native value and native programmable value. Um, mm. it, it does, it's, it's definitely a stretch and we are absolutely in the more speculative um, side of things. There is more, like I said, I, I didn't have this particular one prepared. So I'm trying to put it together for you guys, but if you just read through everything they have, it, it is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, man. I'll, I'll definitely put this in the description, but like you say, it, it is, it does require some stretching and especially because I, I, I read this and I think I'm pretty well into the Gilbertisms, but I find it really difficult to to read so far between the lines that I, that I see like the, 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 the regular things come popping up. But as you say, it might very well be that I do not have enough insight into the process behind the process that's being described here. Mm -hmm. Well, this isn't the best signal either. I was just trying to pull up some stuff off their site. Um, to, to do a That's full fine. review of this, I would want to spend more time on it. Um, yeah, just coming up. Let's see. All good. All good. I am curious still, because if I'm looking at your uh, your 12-pager, 
there's also a McLaren bit, or am I jumping the gun now? No, we're we're definitely going to get there. Um, I'm just trying to see. I'm looking through Telegram to see if I posted other stuff. I can just pull up on this. I had a lot more on Crowd Twist, so I think that the Crowd Twist stuff is actually more telling on the or on the Red Bull Racing side. Because mm-hmm. if you go into the, the press releases, that this, this is what put me down this rabbit hole initially. If you go into the press releases um, and they talk about like their expanded marketing program, that's where Crowd Twist was, t- Crowd Twist was tied to me. And I thought that the references within what they're looking to do with, um, with Red Bull Racing and, and Oracle within their loyalty program and their like rewards program, that aligns so much with what we expect and what we see in, in other places too. So the, the extension to then say that something like uh, ELF Cosmetics, what was a product is from mm-hmm. the function derived with Oracle Red Bull Racing and Crowd Twist from there. So that, that would be the pattern we want to follow through, but uh, probably a conversation for another day. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm, McLaren, imagine, yeah. I, I'm not only imagining how Mux would look with uh, with eyeliner and mascara. It's really confusing. <laughs> so I, I've got now here a couple of examples for things that I thought were really interesting. Mm-hmm. If you've been with Quant and you've been following updates and, and the, the FA for, I'd say, at least a year now, you've probably begun to recognize that there is a pattern. And this pattern is that Quant product updates tend to align with partner updates in the real mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, this isn't something that I prepared specific lists of examples for, but if you really need it, I can put it together. Uh, there are a, a wide variety of references for this, but suffice to say. Shall we do that? I, I, I think that, that that would be fun. I don't know how Tim feels about it. Maybe we could take like a wee little pause. Sure. For the for the recording, and then Hungarian can look up some things, and we can have a dive into that. Because I think I I, I know where you where you want to go, Hungarian, and I think that 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 will resonate with with a lot of people. You mean the the, the lighting up of say the XTC announcement with something else that happened, etc. Those those type of connections, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So Tim, you, you okay with taking a, a little pause? Of course. Okay. Three. Two, one, pause. Okay, so um, we're back. We took about eh, a little bit over 20 minutes. <laughs> we came to the conclusion that, um, yeah, finding all these connections on the fly um, for the top of our head is not uh, not easy. Um, Hungarian, re- re- remind me again. Uh, wh- where were we heading? Where were we going? Yeah, well, we we almost fell down a rabbit hole that we probably wouldn't have gotten out of, which is uh, <laughs> no. important to recognize. What we were looking at is um, <clears throat> we're, we're talking about the correlations and patterns between both what Gilbert has said in like AMAs uh, and, and then also the statements that Quant as an organization has made with their product releases and their other like opinion articles they have, um, you know, team members release. What we're looking at is the alignment of different use cases and examples with both future products and partners, as well as the speculative partners that align with that. And 
that's in and of itself is probably worthy of its own episode. We could put together, and this would actually be really fun, painstakingly assemble um, all of the times where Gilbert has said something or alluded to something, or Quant has posted a, a, like an overview of something that turned out to be a client, a use case, an example. I mean, you you can, this goes back to the very beginning of Quant's history. Gilbert has been doing what he is able to legally do to help us go on this mm-hmm. journey with him to understand what he's doing, but also to not violate um, NDAs or any other type of privacy agreements that they have. So, so well, example, uh, the, them gave yeah. is a good one. The XDC stuff. No, the circle one. Oh, where we were that, speaking yeah. about center hub and spoke. We spoke about this mm. in, uh, in the previous one where you were on the show. That's a, a very top of mind tangible one that a lot of people have uh, have heard and seen before. Circle's definitely a big one. I mean, something else in that too, no supporting material on hand, but you guys were there. You remember that Gil actually posted um, an article about wanting to work with Coinbase or like a statement about wanting to work with Coinbase. Mm-hmm. And then Coinbase also posted uh, articles about like working on an application store and some other stuff. And after the inevitable influx of Quanfi community members started posting and trying to connect the dots on them, all of that was deleted. Yeah. Which is interesting because like, it, it, it's just another time where we see, you know, name check. Did we say too much? Did we go too far? Did we, uh, yeah, it's a KPMG joke if you get that one. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there really are so many examples to really do this justice to to really illustrate the magnitude of these type of connections and plans and and premonition, we really need to go and prepare it ahead of time. So no yeah. historical documentation for this particular conversation today, but if you guys are interested, we could absolutely put something like that together in the future. So for today, to you know, as we kind of wrap up, what I want to talk about is again alignment of a release mm-hmm. from Quant and examples from a quant potentially aligning with some different products and, and partnerships. So if you remember that screenshot that I shared of Gilbert mass following uh, these mm-hmm. different racing F1 accounts, one of the accounts mm-hmm. in there was McLaren. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, McLaren is world renowned for producing some of the most technologically advanced uh, performance vehicles in the market. I mean, they, they genuinely make some of the fastest and high tech vehicles that money can possibly buy. And they have some interesting stuff going on right now. They're actually, they're branching out into the world of NFTs. Though, like other, you know, companies of this size, their application of NFT is much more in line with, like, the potential use cases of NFTs versus the current narrative for NFTs. So, if you have, like, an opinion of what NFTs are based off of the current crypto space... I would encourage you to to keep an open mind and to continue learning about what it represents. Because yeah, just like how video games in, in the earliest days were represented with sticks and, and rocks, basically, you know, something like Pong, it's representative of what the tech can do, not of like what the end, end goal is. And innovation mm-hmm. is always going to happen. Things are always going to get better, new products, new services. Uh, by, you know, multiple degrees of extension innovation, like it just, it continues to expand and grow. But 
-hmm. when we we look at this right here, there's a couple of things that I think really stand out. Over the last couple of weeks, there's been several mainstream luxury brands that announced their entrance into the NFT world uh, by means of tokenized assets. And you better believe this is a security token offering. Like <laughs> Hermes and um, what is the other one? Other that jewelry company, uh, I think Tiffany, they are not going to gamble on releasing something that might be considered a security. They're not going to do all these things unless they're mm -hmm. sure what they're doing is appropriate. Like a new revenue stream, especially something that's like as nuanced as crypto and NFTs right now, despite the benefits, it's not worth risking the brand and the organization and the lawsuits that can come uh, from not doing this the right way. So we have yep. to assume that when we see these companies of this caliber, like literally, at least in the fashion world, some of the biggest names in the racing world, McLaren, you know, the automotive world, one of the biggest names for them to step out into the world of tokenized assets, tokenized fan interactions and NFTs. It, it is almost certain that they're doing so through the most regulated and compliant platforms available. So that mm -hmm. gets really exciting because now we start to see these different connections coming together. I mean, one, first and foremost, we have Gil's mass following, which again, if you know Gil, this, this is like, this is a legitimate clue. Um, he also unfollowed the them again, didn't he? What's that? Gilbert also unfollowed them again, didn't he? No, he didn't. He buried it. So what he did is he put, he did this mass follow and then we started talking about it in Telegram. Mm. And then he followed like 200 random tech accounts. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, just like, like within one day, just follow, follow, follow as many accounts as he could. But yeah, it is yeah. still there. You just have to scroll. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> I, I did say at the beginning, guys, today is going to be a, a lot of speculation. I hope you're enjoying it. We are doing our best to kind of like ground it and bring it all together and then help you understand why we think these things Please recognize that our intention is not to mislead. It's not to generate undue hype. It is nothing more than to document, share, and discuss the, the true wonder and possibilities of the project Quant uh, and Overledger and everything that that represents down to the full digital evolution of humanity and everything that represents. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the ultimate rabbit hole. Everything will so, be tokenized, man. Everything will be tokenized. Absolutely. Everything that needs to be tokenized, at least, will be tokenized. Um, so the, the examples we have here, we have Hermes and Tiffany both talking about their entrance into NFTs, releasing physical products. So um, these, these jewelry companies are going to basically issue NFTs that represent their physical products and talking about the different types of customer and, and fan interactions. Now, if you are familiar with marketing and customer like engagement and loyalty, mm. you recognize that it's a lot easier to gain more money through your product and service through your existing customers with things like retention and engagement than it is to go out and constantly chase new customers. I mean, you know, it's not going to work for every business model, but most business models can operate much better if their existing customer base has more purchases and less attrition and higher engagement. I mean, that's, those are just kind of universal things. So mm -hmm. on the cutting edge 
of customer engagements and customer um, interactions and possibilities. There are so many ways that the use cases for blockchain and for NFTs can really come to life. That again, could probably be its own episode, probably a really fun one, but I mean, the entertainment industry and the fan relations are prime use case because it's so easily and organically translates to things like tokenization Mm -hmm. and it unlocks so much possibility. I mean, when we, I had a question, somebody asked me about what, what's the benefit of having um, a fully interoperable customer engagement program? Like why would you want a loyalty rewards program to interoperate with um, another program? And it's actually, it's a really good question because just like we, we talked about earlier, as consumers, these are not things that we're actively exposed to. So if you're not aware of how it works, then it doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you are in this world and, and you have even just a rough idea of the value and weight that this kind of stuff carries, um, it, it, it's inevitable. And if there's a way that a company can take these types of interactions and products and services to their user base and to market before their competitors, like you, you don't have to wait for confirmation if you know it's happening. Like we, we of course can't say definitively, but these are for-profit companies. They exist to continue to make money. They're going to make decisions that make them more money. They're going mm-hmm. to pursue innovation. It, it's all in that grander theme we talked about earlier of uh, inevitabilities with um, entropy and innovation. And we're going to have so many other talks put aside. But going back to the question, why do you need a, a, um, a fully interoperable loyalty rewards program? Well, let's take the air, let's take the airline example. We could have a company like Delta, which creates infrastructure for the entire world and connects us fundamentally as humans. It supports trade, it supports business, it supports social growth. I mean, you you could argue that the current paradigms and in infrastructure within like the airline industry are core to modern society and are mm. core, like critical infrastructure basically for life as we know it. And these massive companies that operate billions and billions of dollars of revenue do so almost exclusively through the loyalty rewards program. So when you have these streams that are billions and trillions of dollars worth, just even in one particular industry, and you, you all of a sudden you gain the ability to cross promote or to layer incentives or to create different types of relationships and partners to where the value is no longer locked inside the bubble of what Delta or American can provide. Like, it's it, it, it changes the game completely. It's like you go from this world to where you have your company existing in a fishbowl and then you dump yeah. the fishbowl in the ocean. And that it was a so, sweetwater fish and it dies in salt water. Well, that's because it didn't use overdridger. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> I, I didn't account for the overdridger effect. I'm sorry. But it's interesting yeah, you bring this up. The effect of overdridger. Uh, all the overdritcher uh, jokes aside, it's interesting you bring this up because, uh, well, a couple of months back, uh, we had Boss, uh, the guy from the developer community on the show, and he showcased um, how, well, uh, QRC721 mm-hmm. 
works. So that's the NFT functionality of, of well, the tokenized part of Overledger. And he showcased that using an example uh, of with uh, with loyalty programs. So that that was really interesting. He showed that, and we can link the video somewhere, or you can just look it up again. Um, but apparently, this is a popular think... use case. So it's interesting you start talking about it again. I, I'm not sure what Buzz told many months ago, but it was interesting. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm sharing you guys a link if you want to post it like in the description or something for people if they want to do their own research. This is just a cool video that talks about the business model for airlines and why their uh, entire source of revenue is almost exclusively their loyalty program. Okay. Um, something else that's also pretty fun. We'll put it in there for people that want to do their own research. If you're still listening now, by the way, thank you for being a part of our community and, and thank you for diving this deep you know you, you the people that are listening right now and really a part of this conversation are part of a, an incredibly small group of people that is on the cusp of something that is quite literally changing the world is changing how humans interact or rather facilitating that change so congratulations on making it far thank you for sticking with us so long and you know, please never hesitate to reach out, ask questions, and, and you know, engage with us. We are here, as as previously said, we're not paid. We we are here only for you and for the project because we are passionate and we believe in the vision of Gilbert, the vision of Quant, and you know, we're excited about where this is all going. Whoop! Yeah, well said. Yeah. Oh, and uh, while you're at it, please like, subscribe, and. Uh... <laughs> No man, you, you are totally right. It's uh, it's quite a community we have, and uh, what a journey we have ahead of us. <clears throat> but it's so the, to, huh? to jump on this. I mean, the, the current times are not very exciting, though. I mean, the the community is just growing as a whole. I mean, more and more people get aware. But I feel like the the our own momentum has been slowing down a little bit there's not that much to share and um also it's summer but yeah that's probably also the reason why today's update got postponed yeah no i don't know but on the other hand we still keep going we keep digging we find new stuff have we shown the people the, the kpmg uh, link of today already that's somewhere we might go uh, i'm not sure what's on your schedule further uh, hungarian where do you want to so... head I, I've got one What's more next? like pseudo piece of content um, yeah. <laughs> that I want to cover. It's really, content. Like, it's really what it's for, honestly, at this point is for the people that are still listening. Like you've been following this for like two hours now, then you want to learn more about quant. You want to learn every detail and every fact and get ahead and try to figure out this oh grand architecture and puzzle in front of us. So if you're still here and you want to be a part of that, here, here's my advice to you. Um, one of the best places to look for information before it gets released is from partners, in particular, the largest public partners. So for me, my favorite is Oracle. Um, I, I understand the business model and I understand the company better than some of the other partners. So it's a little bit easier. But I also find that since they are a large American public company, the way that they report their information and the depth that they provide is uh, pretty encompassing. 
In fact, so much so that sometimes they will post things just like other companies and delete it. So what we have for you guys is going to be the extent of what I'm really comfortable sharing public. And it's not because I, I think that, you know, we want to create secrecy or hide things, but it's genuinely just from the perspective of respecting the partners that Quant has and respecting the integrity of these relationships. So guys, what that means is if there is content that is ever removed from the source, I will not share it. Uh, and that is out of respect for Quant, uh, the team and their relationships and their partners. It is not worth jeopardizing an, an, an NDA, uh, you know, multi-million, potentially who knows what's worth billion dollar business agreement. It's not worth it just so we can have something that gets us, you know, <laughs> high you know, incremental for increases on our KPIs. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what I'm referring to here, guys, is a conversation that we've had a couple of times in the policy lounge mm. that has uh, been removed from the source. So now I can only share with you part of that conversation. So if, if you want to learn more, keep, keep researching and, you know, continue to stay on top of like, I recommend the quarter releases. They're really good places. You can jump on a quarter release from Oracle. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I found this. And we have here. Alpha is a, is a good start. If you go from seeking alpha to Oracle, then you should find all those quarter releases as well. Mm, definitely. <clears throat> Dig through those public docs. I mean, even like the, um, the stuff with the NDA that we recently found out, like we knew that Gilbert said it in different ways, but we never had it like in writing, hey, you can't talk about Overledger. And it was there all along. We just never took the time to really dive into the supporting docs from partners. So mm -hmm. um, if, yeah. if you are familiar with Gilbert's resume, you'll recognize the, the organization NSW <clears throat> Health. It stands for New South Wales Health. And it's a... Um, it's, a, it's a medical infrastructure organization that encompasses, I forget the exact percentage, but a dominant percentage of like the, the health services in Australia. And Gilbert actually worked for them as, I believe he was the CSIO or CISO. Um, yeah, Chief Information okay. Security Officer, NSW Health 2014-2016. Now, what's really interesting about this is if you know or if you're familiar with the history and the architecture of Overledger, this is actually the origin story for Overledger. Um, a large part of what Overledger is came from this company uh, because when Gilbert was the chief information security officer there, he was tasked to help interoperate healthcare records. And to do so, he utilized blockchain technology and in doing so, that was what eventually or kind of inspired him to put together um, Quant Overledger. And now we zoom ahead, we look ahead, we're, what, eight years now past that point? We can see some pretty yes. interesting things. Um, you can look at the website for New South Wales Health, and they talk all about their digital, uh, digital transition from everything from like a universal patient directory to different types of like healthcare infrastructure systems. There's also, um, there's government services involved with this too. So this isn't like, 
Um, actually, I don't know if it's a private company or not, but it does span government services. So I'm not exactly sure how that contract works out there. But um, Gilbert on his blog, so his personal blog, if you mm -hmm. go to his resume on there and you click the link for his experience at New South Wales Health, it does not link to their website. It links to eHealth. Now, most people wouldn't think anything of that, but I believe that just like a lot of these other hints that align, these are just little nods at uh, the, the bigger picture. Now, the final piece of the puzzle I can't share with you guys because it's been redacted at the source, but I will share that Oracle had some stuff that was really Fun interesting. Fact, if you go to really, the bottom, really interesting stuff. If you go to the bottom of Gilbert's CV and you see all the committees he's been on, if you click on NSW there, that it is NSW government, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's, uh, it also reads NSW government here, 2014, 2016. So we had multiple things going back then. Sorry for interrupting, continue, man. No, you're good, man. And that's, when it comes to this type of speculation, um, at this level, we're absolutely reaching. We're going to be wrong and stuff. No way. Like, like, no way around that. But the reason we've taken this time to go through like first, what is confirmed? Like what's in the white paper? What has Gilbert said? What's the team said? What does the on-chain data look like? Okay, well, what has the information from partners looks like? What other types of public information? We've taken this step-by-step step to in, in hopes that by this point, you guys recognize that while it is certainly speculation, there's a lot of reasons why we think these things. And we're not just shouting random numbers and things based off of one word we see or, or even just a phrase or a pattern. There, there really is a lot more that goes into this. Penetration testing. So, that's... Um... Things. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm a child. I was reading at Gil's uh, resume at the bottom. He has security and technology, and there's all the things that he has uh, experience in. And one of them is ethical hacking and penetration testing. And that just made me smile for I'm a child. I apologize. What was that about feeling the existence of Overdreader? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's probably a sign that uh, we have about reached our limit on content for today. Mm, but it, yeah. Artificial intelligence failing. <laughs> I do yeah. hope that you guys enjoyed this. It's a little, a little bit of a departure from the like, previous types of content we've done. We mm. try to keep, at least I try to keep things very factual um, and objective, but I get really excited about all this kind of stuff. I and mean, when you spend hours and hours and hours every day researching and talking and networking and, and trying to learn, you can't help but get excited about what you're a part of. I mean, even us in this group here, we've been a part of the community for years. A lot of this stuff is things that we've even heard of before, but we still mm -hmm. get excited when we talk about it because we recognize the potential. And we also recognize that we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I was fighting my uh, my cough the entire night. <laughs> oh dear, there we go again. But with uh, lots of things you you said tonight, uh, at least well while we were recording it for you, it's afternoon during this episode. That's better. Um, it all kind of ties together again, and it's kind of refreshing to hear your perspective uh, because it really reminds me of oh yeah, that's what we've been covering past time and it ties into new leads and and, and it's it's just 
so great to see your work together with some other people in the community on 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 looking into the the on-chain data and, and because we 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 know so much but the, the the main challenge for us right now is to confirm it right we have all the leads we just need to point out how it exactly works and the fact that you pointed out somewhere how it works with those NDAs that there's literally uh, a piece of text somewhere where it says well you cannot talk about overledger publicly that's a great example and and, and, and now the, the time is right this is as good as it's going to get for you guys like if, as a speculator if you're looking for confirmation I, i'm sorry if this is not what you want to hear but for this strategy this type of communication is the most direct you're going to get until the time is right to go beyond that exactly and that's a piece of evidence um well the wallets you've discovered i mean jarno and i pointed this out somewhere end of last year the first time that hey there's something interesting and people like you and sebastian went into it and now we are we are absolutely he's done so much work in aggregating all this he actually uh he set up an api to scrape all the data automatically it's really cool wow nice any insights from that, maybe? Um, I think one of the biggest insights around the utility speculation is that we're all but certain um, the the enterprise treasury is somehow interacting with uh, Coinbase custody. Mm. Like whether or not one uses the other's API and like however that works out, not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. But um, it... It, it makes a lot of sense when you, it's a whole different conversation, but basically the tokens are using some type of API through Coinbase. So it's not something mm-hmm. that retail has access to. And the custody patterns can be seen for distribution, doing similar things with other ERC20 tokens, but only in a very like small percentage of that and not in the same distribution patterns, only in the batch sends. So because we see the batch send alignment, but then we see the utility patterns from there. Uh, And then we also have quotes from Gil talking about how they need regulated partners like Coinbase for infrastructure and and for all these different reasons. It makes a lot of sense. You know, every group, every connection, every company plays their own part in adding different layers. You know, you've got LCX bringing licenses and you've got Coinbase bringing, you know, exposure and you know volume and, and regulations and you've got uh, circle bringing in their you know multi-payment api and then you have um you know blackrock on top of that i mean dude, we didn't even talk about cerner today we didn't even yeah, talk no. about blackrock like blackrock bci you want to talk about that that's a whole rabbit hole it's too much that's like the matrix is real kind of stuff i mean there's mm-hmm. it's it's such an amazing time to be alive and aware at least of where the world is going. Like I'm, I'm certainly no expert, like by any means of measurement whatsoever. Um, but even mm. like my limited novice perspective is just enthralled. And I, I hope that you guys find this interesting too. For sure. And For sure, yeah. to, to bring the bit on Coinbase Custody home, if you have any doubts whether Coinbase Custody is the one uh, that, um, so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm toast. The quant is using. Look up the playlist that I put in the description from Coinbase Custody, and and see how they explain and how they talk about um, 
how, how everything works and, 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 and what they intend to do and what their plans are and, and why they do it. Um, we talked about this in, in previous shows as well. Um, sometimes I confuse whether we spoke about this in Dutch or in English, <laughs> but these, these videos in here, they, they paint a very, very clear picture. And if you put that as kind of like on like glasses and then you look at what hap what's happening on chain with, with the multiple wallets and the batches that are being sent, um, then try and tell me in the comments that we are wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think just looking back at this episode and looking back at well, many episodes before, it just all makes so much sense. And, and that's what happens. And I'm really in the closing part. Like, but what happened when I wrote the, the chapter for, uh, for Nagato, for his ebook, he asked me, uh, that was in March, April, to mm. write uh, well a chapter on quant and do a case study on it. And well, it's published now. You, you can you can all read it if you uh, if, well, if you purchase this uh, ebook. Um, but writing that, it, it made so much sense to just line it all up for myself, you know. And then you just discover that the entire investment thesis and, and the story behind the company and just what they were solving—it's so logical. It makes so much sense, and especially when you compare that. Uh, to all the earlier investment trends like if you compare what's happening right now to well the early 2000s late 1990s you, you see the same pattern but you also see that only a couple of companies have won that companies like google and uh um, give me another example like microsoft for example because they, they offered something so unique that nobody could really offer to that they became essential. And that's exactly what's happening here. There's a lot of noise, but there are a few companies that cut through it and are essential for all of them to function. That's what we see here. Quant's I hope it makes sense. Inevitable. Yeah. Hungarian, thank you so much, so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time, your preparation. It was um, amazing. It was lovely. I have no other words. It was, it was perfect. And um, do you have uh, any last remarks, maybe? Yarno and Tim, thank you so much for hosts for uh, having me here today. It was an absolute <laughs> pleasure. I anytime to, Tim to is dying. talk about quant. <laughs> I love it. Um, so th thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to come talk about such an exciting project. I, I would say just to anybody, if you have questions on some of this stuff, on the data speculation, on partnership speculation, or even the research process, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Shoot me a DM, uh, Twitter or Telegram is fine, and I can help answer your questions, point you in the right direction, provide some context. I'd be more than happy to help uh, guide anyone else on their journey of researching, Not not even just quant but the the critical thinking process that is required for this but uh, again thank you guys so much to all the listeners thank you so much for listening i had a ton of fun today and uh, i look forward to talking more about quant in the future thanks so much hungarian all right ladies and gentlemen comrades quant for retirement club thank you so much for watching and listening as hungarian said please do not hesitate to leave a comment 
like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, give us a follow. Give us a DM when you're on the Telegram or anywhere else where we meet. And um, most of all, stay comfy. Thanks for watching. Stay comfy. <laughs>